Episode number 51. Can't pull that off. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, you ready? I'm Clay Lowe. And I'm Sarah Beth Hunt. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. Where we get together once a week over coffee to talk about the big questions of life. Let's get into the show. Hey, welcome back. Thank you. <laughs> Do you it's remember what back. this place looks like? I know, I've been... Well, people might not realize since we put out our podcast last week, but we actually... That you were in Florida that, yeah, working so. on your tan? That's right. Ah, I, saw, I yes. did see the sun. I sent some of the sun over to you freezing did. England you for a few weeks, and then I got back and now it's freezing again. That's right. You were over there sending us good weather, and we yeah. did have some good weather while you were gone, which yeah. I thoroughly enjoyed, but now it feels like it's winter again. Um, and I'm not that happy with that. <laughs> but you're looking tan and you're looking good. And you're sporting a shirt. I've got, I've got my shirt on, which if you look over at the Facebook page, then you can see both of our very apt shirts for today. And we didn't discussion. plan to see them, did we? No. no. I had no idea you were going to wear it's that like we've with got that our, theme. Like, themed uniform on. Ah, yes. So it, my shirt says, not all who wander are lost. Yeah, Tolkien. Is it? Yeah, yes. All right. Yeah. I should know that. Then. Yeah, you so should do, yes. Shirt. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know where mine is from. You know, You've got uh, everywhere is walking the distance. Every day, everywhere is walking, is walking distance. distance. Yeah. If you have the time. If you've got the time. And you can make the time, can't you, to get there. That's right. Anyway, it's nice to have you back. And, is, uh, and maybe it was a subliminal thing because actually what we're talking about today is the pilgrimage, mm. which is all about Paolo Coelho's walk of Santiago, the, the Camino de Santiago. Yep. Um, and that is one big giant walk, 500 miles worth of walking. Yep. <laughs> so maybe that was what was subliminally influencing us because we're going to be talking about that book today. And one of the things that we wanted to do um, when we talked about prior to um, you heading off to holidays, we wanted to start cycling through and emphasizing, like picking a book, a particular book, and have a chat about it as a part of an episode. And in our first search, you chose The Pilgrimage. I did. And I suppose I'd like to get a feel for what, what, why did that book jump out at you? Well, when I was thinking about it, I wanted to pick a book I hadn't read before. And, uh, yeah, so I'm planning on um, walking the Camino de Santiago uh, in a few years. <laughs> it's becoming less and less years when I turn 40 with my best friend who I grew up with. He's also called Sarah. And, uh, yeah, so I'm really excited about that, looking forward to doing that. And I thought, uh, you know, we haven't done anything in terms of kind of nature and, and you know, kind of seeking an action in that way, kind of in the in the pilgrimage style, you know, either you know, there's a lot of stuff that you can read on um, ecotherapy and and the therapy of walking and journeying and all this kind of stuff. And um, yeah, I was just kind of interested to get my fingers a bit into that. Into and it, stuff. Start, so, to get, yeah. start to get you in the in in the mental mode of walking the Camino. That's right. Because I did the Camino. I can't even remember the year now. It's probably been at least ten years ago since I've done. I did it. And I, uh, it was just kind of a, I can't even remember, how did I come across it? I mean, I've read several books on the Camino itself from different writers who have walked it. I think that kind of piqued my interest to go and actually walk it. And then one Easter, I just thought, well, I've got a space and time between contracts. And um, I just called up a couple of friends and said, hey, you want to go walk the Camino? And we hopped on a plane and flew over and um, I started walking it. And it is a very magical walk which I can talk about some as we kind of go along and pepper it in because one of the things about rereading this 
is it started reminding me of the different place names in there. But do you want to set the book up as in what the pilgrim is is about? Uh, I know from Paulo Coelho is one of is his first of his major books, and, and a lot of people be familiar with the Alchemist. Maybe not so much with the Pilgrimage, unless you're a fan. I guess I've read most of his work, but. Yeah, you want to do the setup? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't, to be honest, it wasn't exactly how I expected it to be. So it starts off with him in this kind of ritualistic ceremony where he thinks that he's reached the end of the path of, you know, and he's going to become a master of this kind of tradition. And in fact, his, like the people leading the ceremony at the last minute say, no, actually, you you're haven't passed. <laughs> you're not ready. And, and in order to do, so, so in a way, the walking of the Camino becomes his kind of final act of really becoming ready. And so in, in the story, the thing he's looking for and the thing he wants to get is his sword, which is the kind of symbol of like the master. Um, and it was only, and, and I think it's interesting because for me, I didn't really resonate with that as an image. But I think by the end of the story, I realized that the sword is not the sword for everybody. You know, that it kind of is, means something, yeah, you know, metaphor, individual. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I, 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 so I started reading it and I was kind of like, Ah, this isn't what I expected, but actually kind of getting more into it and, and definitely by the end, I really did love it. Because it's a true story. Unlike The Alchemist, this one is, is a non-fiction book. I know reading elements of it, you're thinking, what the heck's going on here? But most of those fantastical things that appear in the book are are metaphors for... So he kind of struggles with demons and fights yeah. this dog that's kind of symbolic of a demon, for instance, and stuff. Is Absolutely, that, yeah. yeah. But the pilgrimage itself and the uh, the Camino itself is an actual pilgrimage. That, um, it's a Catholic pilgrimage. And it was, I can't remember the year that it first opened up, but essentially it's a, it was a way for you to be able to walk off some of your penance so you didn't have to go to purgatory or something along that along those lines that you could go and you could walk the Camino which is about 500 miles um, and then that you'd earn I'm not a Catholic so I don't know the, the <laughs> proper words for it, the, but you the could mathematics earn, yeah, and all this you, yeah. could, you could take some stuff off of your off of your your naughtiness I guess and get you out of purgatory so that you can get yeah. on into heaven so and people still walk it today so um, and it's it's um, it's quite a magical path in that sense, so I can really you know relate to a lot of the metaphors in there. And, and I remember when I walked it, the first three days, you still, and and people familiar with the hero's journey will get some of this that metaphor playing out in here as well. But I, the first three days, you're kind of still in the in your ordinary world and still thinking about things of home and all that kind of stuff. But then, come sometime around the third day all that sort of, sort of disappears and I just remember life becoming timeless you weren't, I guess it wasn't it was yeah it got back into the rhythm of so you were up with the sun and pretty much you were sleeping when the sun went down and um, and you just walk all day basically <laughs> you yeah. walk from sun up to sundown and you stay in these monasteries which are pretty cool you stay in a monastery um, and they kick you out at six, so you got to be out by six in the morning, and you've got to be in by, by a certain time as well. Um, so it was quite uh, routine-ish, 
But at the same time, it was quite in a rhythm with the walking and the rhythm of life. And then the rest of my old, the ordinary world kind of disappears in this kind of magical sort of space. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll talk some more a little bit more about some of my things that came out of that. But I, I guess I'm curious to know what are some of the things that you take take away from the book. So what, what's the a thing that jumped out at you as you were reading it that would be worth sharing with yeah, listeners? Yeah, I think the thing, what I found, I'm really going to take away from it, and I only kind of got there going back through all the bits I had highlighted and stuff was how a journey, how your own like internal experience changes as you go along the journey. So exactly what you're saying, kind of the first starting out, the first couple days, your experience of that is different than towards the end of the journey. Yeah. When you're not there yet, but you've gone a long way. And I found his description of the experience of the journey as a whole really interesting and and very like good to reflect on for us whatever kind of we're going in because obviously these this book is really yeah applicable I think to kind of what we're like anything you're trying to achieve or whatever because you know he keeps saying this fight the good fight fight for your dreams kind of thing so that journey can be anything that you dream of and that could be like you know, traveling to a particular place that you've always wanted to go, or writing a novel, or well, I'll you read know. a quote on that because that was one of the things that I highlighted about the book as well. So he talks about it from a practical sense of um, the sort of traveling aspect, and within it ties into your objective. So he, um, this is just a quote from the book. He says that when you travel, and he, and, and he was making the case for you know moving movement. When you travel, you experience in a very practical way the act of rebirth. Um, you confront completely new situation. The day passes more slowly. And on most journeys, you don't even understand the language that people speak. So you're like a child just out of the womb. You begin to attach more and more importance to things around you because your survival depends upon it. And you begin to be more accessible to others because they may be able to help you in a difficult situation. So you accept small favors uh, as great delights. And I like that. And he says that um, you can apply that same thinking when you're moving towards an objective, as you were just sort of pointing out. So when you're moving towards a, an objective, it's very, very important to pay attention to the road, so this metaphor of the road and the traveling, because it's the road that teaches you or teaches us the best way to get there, and the road enriches us as we walk its length. So, um, yeah, yeah. Excuse me, and there's um, that beginning bit where his guide takes him in circles basically yeah, yeah. at the beginning and he doesn't notice and the guide has to point out like do you realize we've been walking for 10 days or whatever and we've passed the same places like yeah. a bunch of different times and you're not paying attention to the road and you know that idea that the road can teach us I mean I, it, for me that says you know if we're paying attention to the process of what's happening things that come up as obstacles or things that come up as opportunities the experience of doing the thing will teach us how to do it best. Yeah. And, and you know, that's really, that feels really pertinent to me because I feel like, you know, so often we have to feel like we're prepared for a journey. We have to pr- feel like, you know, like, you know, writing in my next novel, for instance, you know, it's like I have to have everything ready 
in order to take that next step. But actually, it's just in the doing it. So I found that, you know, I've had to write this whole bunch of draft, and it, and then I've kind of had to stop and go back, and it's through the process of writing it that I've actually like learned the story, and then I need to go back now and kind of work through it. But I wouldn't know the story if I hadn't just sat down and started writing and yeah. kind of plowing ahead. I think that's kind of true of anything you're doing. You can't. You know, and you I can think, think about is, it in your head so much, and, and you, you can, can get a lot of degrees, and you can degrees, get a lot of studying. Go on courses. That's right. Consult with people. You can do everything except take the action to do it. And I think yeah. you're right. I think a lot of people get stuck in the preparing for and never taking the journey. And it's it is exactly that. It's in the journey that you learn stuff. And when you just mentioned just at the start of, of that, um, when I do the ascent in Snowden when I take people mm-hmm. one of the things is I take them on a the night walk the very beginning when they're still in that oh what's this going to be about and they, the first very walk we do is in the dark and there's a point where I do or simulate the same thing that happens in uh, the pilgrimage is on our way back I stop and want to ask them if I was to just disappear would you know how to get back to where we started most are like, no, I've just been following you and I just trust that you know where you're going. And there used to be this massive rock structure that was on our left. And coming back, I was stopped in front of that deliberately. And I was saying, on the way up, how many of you noticed this giant rock here? And no one ever noticed this big... I mean, you can't miss it. Once, once I showed it to them, they couldn't believe that they had actually had passed this spot and not seen it. But it's, it's your, you know, that on the way up, they're still in their minds and they're chatting, and they're just following. They're not actually paying attention to where they're, where they're going. And one of the things that I don't allow them to do is to use a flashlight mm-hmm. because it, I want them to actually start to feel the earth and you know, pay attention to the path with their body as well as you know, what they're sort of sight and adjust. But, yeah, it's that whole... Um, you have to learn to see. You have yeah, to learn yeah, to hear. you got to learn to yeah. see, learn to hear, yeah. learn to trust your body, learn to pay attention in other words because we do spend an ordinary amount of time in our heads thinking things through and maybe miss a whole lot and I think that's one of the things that happened on the Camino for me is that after a while all the problems and things that you know I had at home and all that stuff going on you just they just go away I mean I'm sure they were happening (laughs) while I was but they're not in my head and the only thing in my head was all right oh six walk you know have some bread and some sausages and at noon stop and then you, you know meet whoever I meet when I stop at noon and meet some new people there and then walk until it was time to stop walking <laughs> and yeah. then you back up again walk stop walk yeah it was just I that rhythm that, yeah I and think that's what I really loved about the book as I went on is that you know it's really helpful to reflect on the experience of a journey so that you know that oh, this is what it's like at the beginning of a journey. I have to learn how to listen. With every new journey, you have to relearn and go through that process of how to listen, how to look around you, how to notice what's happening to you and take it into account and maybe readjust and reorient Do you think people path. get too busy nowadays focusing on getting to the end? Like, I don't, I don't care well, that's about the how, journey. That, I think that's how he was... <laughs> that's how he started, yeah, yeah, that's right. He was just, I want to get there. I want to get my sword and get out of there. But I think we'd start things like that now. We just want to get to the end. Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to take the time to 
enjoy the journey or pay attention to the journey. I just yeah. want to have it and I want it now. But hold that thought. Let's pick back up on that in a minute. Let's take a quick break. Um, and then I just we'll start back at that space. You're listening to the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast. I'm Clay Lowe. The Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is a listener-supported show, which means it's brought to you by people like you. If you pop over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the Contribute page, you'll find a number of different ways you can contribute to the show if you care to do so. Leaving a review on iTunes, subscribing to the show, or sharing it with a friend are a few options. These are very valuable contributions, as is something monetary, like setting up a reoccurring payment or contributing a pound an episode. Any and all options are very much appreciated. Thank you so very much for those of you who have already done so, and thank you in advance for anybody that is considering doing so in the future. All right, let's get back to the show. Yeah, so I think this, um, there is this tendency to just focus on the, what's the goal? I want to get there now. Forget the journey. Just get me my thing now. That's at the beginning. Yeah. That's at the beginning. And I think there are a lot of people that then fall off the wagon at the beginning because of those things. But then, then he kind of moves into that thing that you've then described, which is like once you get past that beginning stage and you get into the movement of things. So what is that then like? And he kind of describes that as a realization that you are part of an experience of all things moving, you know? So like, you know, you think the Tao river flowing, but that, you know, he's looking around him going, actually, there's a peacefulness to the earth and the natural world that is also in a constant process of moving. Yeah. You know, that everything's changing. And he has a really, uh, have I written that down? He says, um, a world that seemed to be, that seemed to know that in order to grow, it had to continue moving along so that he realizes nature itself journeys. And so I thought that was interesting. Like, you know, what happens to us when we get into, when, when the momentum of our work starts to take hold and we start kind of flowing with it then, what's that like? And yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a real mental shift that you have to do because you're right. I think people fall off at the beginning and I don't get to the end because I lose it at the beginning because it doesn't happen fast enough. And it's almost, um, and I suppose it's kind of a Zen thing as well, is letting go of the outcome. So the outcome is going to be wherever it's going to be. So let go of the outcome, focus on the process and then get do the things that you need to do within that the process and the end will take care of itself. Um and yeah, I think that's a big lesson that I certainly have to work on myself a lot of times is um, being able to, even like this last past couple of weeks, a few things that I've done has been taking that next step of letting go of the outcome. And then then I'm, I'm, able, I'm, I'm now able to relax into the journey. Yeah. And now it's just about the journey and how it's going to turn out. I have and no idea. And all you idea, have to do is take the next step and then the next yeah. step and keep that momentum going. And that's the adventure of life as well, isn't it? We always talk about adventure, but we seem to be wanting... Because if you knew the outcome, then there's no adventure in that, is there? Yeah, totally. Yeah. yeah, you know, and then, you know, another thing kind of that he 
talks about in relation to this process of the importance of moving, like constantly moving forward and not getting stuck and, and being able to focus on the path in front of you and the road mm. and all blah, blah, blah. He says, both attacking and fleeing are part of the good fight. What isn't part of the fight is becoming paralyzed by fear. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, in relation to the, once you get that momentum going, you know, you have to you have to work with it. You have to get up every morning. You have to keep walking. And that is the thing, yeah. you know, because I think also, you, you know, you can I, I can only kind of speak for what I do. But like as a writer, you can start to write and you can get into the flow in a, for a week and like, oh, yeah, OK, this is good. This is good. But then it's it's quite easy to lose that momentum. It takes a long time to build up a momentum that can't be easily shaken. Because every day you get up and you're like, oh, maybe, you know. So it's good not to get complacent. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and the importance of continuing to, you know, and I think, you know, what he's saying there too with the both fighting and fleeing are part of it is like sometimes you have to tack left or right. You know, you have to switch your mode. So it doesn't mean that you can't retreat from what you were doing and kind of try another thing another, yeah. you know but, but just don't book, stop don't get paralyzed it's not the, it's, it's changing your method is fine but not to not to lose your dream completely but how you get there may change and when yeah. he's talking about the fight the good fight um he relates that to your dreaming and he says about um you know we must we must never stop dreaming dreaming provides nourishment for the soul just as meals do, does for your body many times in our lives we see our dreams shattered and our desire is frustrated but we have to continue dreaming if we don't our souls die and the gate be cannot be cannot cannot be reached and when he's talking about fighting the good fight he, he, he uses the metaphor that from the warrior point of view in the days we used to go off and we're fighting battles but now the battle is the internal one and fighting the good fight is keeping your dreams alive um, and there's ways that we end up coming off of that is that we get, um, oh, and uh, it was on page 51, but he, he outlines um, the ways that we get distracted from our dreams and fighting the good fight, that'll, and you know that you, you know that you are veering from the good fight or afraid to fight the good fight when you have, it's uh, these three symptoms. One of the symptoms is that you don't have the time that you, you can't pursue your dreams because you have a lack of time. And we've talked about this in previous Ooh, That's my big episode. one. Yeah, so the biggest people I've known in my life, he says here, always have time enough to do everything. Those who do nothing are always tired and pay no attention to the little amount of work they that, that's required to do. They complain constantly that the day is too short, but the truth is they're afraid to fight the good fight to you know do. So they have an excuse for why not to pursue their dream, which is... I don't have enough time and I'm too yep. busy. And um, he said the second symptom um, of the death of our dreams lies in our certainties because we don't want to see life as a grand adventure. We begin to think of ourselves as wise and fair and correct and asking so little of life. We look beyond the walls of our day-to-day existence and we hear the sound of lances breaking. We smell the dust and the sweat and we see the great defeats. Um, and we no longer want to, to take part in the battle, basically, what he's saying. Um, you know what that reminds me of? It's um, in Lord of the Rings when uh, 
Arwen is talking to uh, Aragorn, and she says, you know, I don't, I want to be, I want to fight too. I don't want to stand on the sidelines until, what does she say, old age and, and, you know, boredom, yeah. you know, kind of make me lose the will to yeah, fight yeah. until it's, it's beyond, until glory is beyond desire. Yeah. It's no, like, I like yeah. that. you got to be in the thick of the fight. And the last one, the last is... Um, where life becomes a Sunday afternoon. We ask for nothing grand and we cease to demand anything more than we are willing to give. Um, in that state, we think ourselves as being mature, we put aside the fantasies of our youth, and we seek personal and professional achievement. We are surprised when people our age say that they still want this or they want that out of life. So there's that thing about at some point... But so dreaming, we talked about this when we talked about the dreaming and the fantasies that you need to put that away. That's for when you were a kid. Now you need to be in this space. And I think what he's pointing out here is when you get to that, when you're blaming it on this sort of maturity bit, and you shouldn't be having new dreams or any dreams now. You should only be looking forward to, I guess, retiring and yeah. dying. I guess. Yeah. Um, and you do get that, you know. I guess if you, if you, and I think you get old when you stop having these dreams that you want to pursue maybe i mean i think that you know these dreams can come in different forms and mm. i think for some people it's really obvious in terms of like for me writing is like a really obvious thing for me mm. but i think your dream can also be to create a certain kind of life that's full of the things that you enjoy doing it doesn't have to be like, I want to achieve this end result. It can be the creation of your life. A lifestyle, yeah. Yeah, lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, so, yeah, you know, and I think sometimes it, it's not, that doesn't mean that you've let go of your dreams in that, you, you know, you stop wanting to achieve something, but that your achievement doesn't fit with what we think of as achievement now. Like, achievement is lifestyle, and you know, goodness, yeah. we don't I really think of it that, like that anymore. It's that, it's almost, uh, as we were saying about the road and the continuing to change, it's like, you'll get, so I guess what I took away from that last one is you, the other illusion could be, well, I have all that I need, there's nothing else that I need, and it may be that I'm picking up for the challenges, but what's the next, keep expanding your mind as the world continues to change, nature changes. Yeah. And don't become so complacent and rest on your laurels and just kind of hang and then just wither away to, to, to what's, the, yeah, what's, the, what's, what's the next thing, but not in the way of being dissatisfied. It's almost like, oh, you dream this The next this interest, dream. the yeah, next enthusiasm. Next, yeah, the next, and, and continue to evolve that way as opposed to stagnate once you... It's like when you get to the top of a mountain. Whenever I get to the top of a mountain, yeah, yeah, the inevitable question is, well, now what? You know, I've done all that. I've struggled. I've got to the top. And it's beautiful. Now what? And yeah. it's the next mountain. <laughs> you know? And in a way, well, hopefully saying, <laughs> first it's getting down. <laughs> well, yes, you got to get back down as well. And then it's the next It's the next mountain just because of climbing the next mountain. But, yeah. 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 So I, I think... Um, I think that's the thing that is part of the realization of this book is, like it's the journey not the destination but of course we can hear that phrase a thousand times mm. and not really 
understand the full like meaning of it. I think there's something about this, and I don't know, it wasn't in the pilgrimage necessarily, but it's something that I've been thinking about in relationship to this as well, is that we have this sense of that we have lots of time. I was having this conversation last week, I think, that with Ruth, in fact, about there's an assumption that we have a lot of time, whereas actually you, had no, you have no idea how much time you have. It could be very yeah. little. It could be today. It could be it for you. So whatever. Yeah. Oh, I know what it was. It's because I was reading that book, um, Enjoy Every Sandwich. Um, I don't know if you've seen it in the notes. It should be Enjoy Every Burger for you. Yeah, that's right. Enjoy Every Burger. But, you know, he's, he was my age, basically. And then, he, you know, he found out he had terminal cancer, basically, and had very yeah. short time to live. Um, but there was always this assumption that we have a, a lot longer to live than yeah. we do. And part of it and this is if you do have a dream that you have to you pursue it now, not to delay it till later on until I've, you know, whatever, whatever the reason that you're putting it off for you, you know, might not have the time mm-hmm. is to do it now. And part of that is beginning the journey, isn't it? A lot of times we just stay stagnant thinking, well, I'll do that when this or when I have that or when I've got this and we never move because that condition never gets satisfied um, or there'll be something else that'll keep us stagnant and staying still. But it's the journey, just just take that first step and the next step and the next one and you keep. So then after he goes through that experience of gaining momentum, Hmm. I felt like going through the next big chunk was like the series of obstacles. The hero's journey, yeah, the trial, the road of trials. Yeah, and that, you know, you can get to the point where your momentum is strong about a specific journey, and you start getting overconfident, which means, you you know, in his, you know, kind of description, we stop looking for ourselves, we become too sure of ourselves, and then we don't see the pitfalls of our field. Mm. And, um, yeah, so so I, I kind of, you know, and of course in the book he has to go through a series of, kind of tests in a way where he has to climb the waterfall and then he has to fight the demon yeah. that keeps following him and you know all these different kind of he has to raise that cross off the yeah yeah ground and so stuff. it has a number of different trials yeah. that you have to yeah. go through and I think any journey that we go on you'll come across trials and I think the thing the thing that's different about that aspect is that he's well on the journey yes you know he's really gone a long distance and you've gone a long distance as a reader with him and so, in a way, I think there's a different experience at an obstacle than when you first get on the journey. Because in a way, when you first get on the journey, you're, you're remembering that it's hard because everything feels new and, mm. and strange. And so you're not surprised when something is difficult. But when you have that momentum on this specific journey, I think there is that kind of a real shock if you experience a real new challenge or a real pitfall or a real setback or a real obstacle, whatever, you know, it, it kind of looks like to you. So I found that kind of... But it's how you deal with each one of those trials, isn't it? Because those trials are part of the, the journey. And you, until you actually reach the objective, you will always have these obstacles that's coming up. But it's how you deal with them, overcome them, and continue towards... I really liked his description, though, of his emotional experience when he was going through this stuff, because, you know, he really is very honest in the book about the fear he has looking at that waterfall and thinking about falling, or, 
you know, the anger that he feels after he's defeated his demon, he's defeated the dog, and then they come across this cross, and his guide orders him to lift it, and his hands are, like, bloody from getting bit up by this dog. And, you know, he's just in pretty poor shape. And so he has this real anger, like, how can you ask me to do something else that's, like, impossible mm. by myself? You remind when, me of another book see... now, <laughs> The 40% Rule. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> you got more, you got more to give. That's right. And yeah. so, you know, it's like, I felt like that, like reading the book was really, really worthwhile also because he's really honest about those emotions. And I think that, that those are really true. And you get, and then you, you know, if you're on your journey and, you know, say I'm writing my books and then I, you know, get a bit further down and then I have this massive obstacle and then I overcome it and I'm like, yeah. And then something else happens. You're like, no, yeah. I've just done this massive thing and now something else. And, you, you know, it's then that you really have to pull down from deep in your well of no, absolutely. stuff. I know that very well. They were in ranger school and some of the other things we had to do in the army where you think you're finished. I used to, that was just, used oh, to, that would no. always be the worst. Is you've just done, you know, we've been, uh, I, I, a few of them, you know, you've, you know, we've, been out for 26 or so miles and you're everyone's all tired and we're coming towards the barracks and you think oh yeah we're all done everybody's getting all happy and then it's like boom and you walk by and you can just feel all the elation that was there that we're almost finished that we're at the home stretch after going suffering what would they ask you to do like keep going yeah we go but we go past because all the time you know you were getting close to home so you start getting happy and uh, and funny, it's funny I'm saying that because I had the it happened to me two weeks ago when I was in the uh, Forest of Dean, and I was on the way back. I was hungry; didn't have anything to eat. I was done. Um, I think I was on like mile number twelve or thirteen or whatever. But on the map, I remember passing this what I thought was a pub, and I thought, all right, on the way back, I'll stop at that pub and have some food, and. When I was about two miles away, it seemed even further away. It made me think of the pilgrimage. Remember, he does the speed exercise, and he had to walk really slow to get to the <laughs> town. So it reminded me of that because that two miles seemed forever, and it was hot, and I was hungry. It was like ah, oh. and then I was. I don't want to run across you in the woods no, when you're hungry, exactly. man. Exactly. So I was dreaming of. I was, I was. I was thinking of the menu. I was thinking, I'll have a burger, or maybe I'll have a steak. So all that's two miles. I'm thinking of what I'm going to order, and guess what? Oh I get God. there. And it's not a pub. It's a place for kids to make pottery. But it had a name like a pub. So I'm looking in and I see this kid making pottery. I'm thinking, well, where's the pub at? And I was so looking forward. I had dreamed those last two miles of having the steak and all of that. And I still had probably another four miles to get back to a car, get to the back to the car where I can go get some grub. But it was just that home. I was so excited. I walked across the bridge. I look and I can't remember the name of the place, but and just to see the kid playing with pottery and then looking and thinking, how did I miss that this is a pottery barn and not a pub? <laughs> but then I had to, you know, change state, mental state, and yeah. grit it and to go for another sort of four miles but yeah see I think like for me hearing all of these things reading this book and like hearing you talk about these experiences like it prepares you for when it happens to you and then you're like oh my god and you're like oh this is like that time 
that Clay really wanted that burger. Yeah, he really wanted it. But it, it, it harkens back that you have more in the tank as well. That 40% mm. rule thing is that when you get to that part, when you think, oh, I've given it everything, you actually have only given it 40%. And I think a lot of the things that we did in the military was kind of to show you that your body still has a lot more to give. You know, yes, you haven't eaten for a couple of days, and yes, you're wet, and yes, you're tired, and yes, all these things are here, but guess what? You can still go even further. But there's a real danger point in that, because, like, with energy, I remember I ran, um, there's the 10K race near us called the Two Castles that runs from Warwick to Kenilworth Castle, and because it's a local thing and you kind of know your way, you have a perception, or I had a perception of where the race was going to finish. So, you know, I've run my, and for me, that's really far. Like, I had to do a lot of training for that. Yeah. And then I get around the corner, and I remember, like, feeling like, okay, this is, like, we're, like, really close. Like, you know, you can see yeah. the castle. You're, like, think you're going to turn into where the um, where the parking lot is and, and enter the castle as you would normally do yeah. as a kind of visitor tourist. But instead, they take you around, way around into the back. So, you know, you start, as you approach in your own mind what you think the finish line is, you start to pick up the pace, pick up the pace. And then as soon as you realize that you're not close, (laughs) that you still have, like, more running to do, and you've been really pushing yourself for that last bit, there's that moment where you're like, everything drains away from you. And you're just like... You almost like hit a wall, like a sh- you know sugar low everything. Just like that's oh, when the true no. grit comes in. Oh no, it's that yeah. cold feeling yeah. through your blood, and uh, yeah. And that's when you have, you to, have to pull really it out. Sort of dig deep, isn't it? When you hit yeah. to that space, but but knowing that you and I think the the learning for next time it happens is if someone tells you you could go three days without eating, then you theorize it's a theory. But if you've done it then you know what your body's capable of. I think a lot of the, that pushing was exactly that, to know what your body could do. And it can probably do even more. So how much further can you sort of push? But yeah. I think we're maybe delving onto some other aspect, well, although I it's not the, the same, the, but yes. Yeah, like connected. the last... So, so basically then, I feel like the last kind of bit he talks about, or, or the last stage in the journey before you reach success, is actually that moment where you think you're close to success yeah. and then you kind of lose your will. So he says, this is the moment. So when you get very, very close, but you're not there yet, this is the moment when one's strength begins to flag and you begin to lose confidence in yourself. And it was the same thing when he was fighting the dog and that was supposedly his kind of demon. Yeah. Uh, he gets to the point where he's kind of, he's fighting with the dog and then a thought comes into his head like, I'm just tired of this whole thing. What is even the point of it? And he, he is at that point where he could have, you know, turned the kind of tables and kind of really swung it so that he was going to defeat the dog. But that thought drains all the power from him and he just kind of loses, you know, the thing. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, the, the battle between him and the dog really turns for the worse for him for a while. So, yeah, I just thought that was kind of an interesting reflection on the journey too, is that you think when you're almost there... You're going to get that second win. You're going to be like, yeah, I'm going to do it in the end. But oftentimes there's another like kind of secret stumbling block there where you just kind of give up when almost it's at the end. And he had a really, I don't know how, what I think about this, 
But he had a really interesting kind of reflection on this about how, let's see, it says that, the, that he experienced this pain before he succeeded, when he knew he could succeed, but he hadn't gotten there yet. Mm. And he says, few can accept the burden of their own victory. Most give up on their dreams when they see that they can be realized. They refuse to fight the good fight because they do not know what to do with their own happiness. They are imprisoned by the things of the world. And I kind of wondered whether that was like a reflection on the fact that when you get close to succeeding, you finally start to believe that it's possible to be or do the thing and then it's almost a scary thing because you realize that that's going to change everything in your life no, absolutely and at well, the end of that, the day sometimes we don't want to change well there's a fear people say there's a fear of failure but there's also a fear of success which is just a potent of uh, fear as the fear of failures because exactly right if I get this thing well, what is that actually going to mean and what does it change and if you think about like if, especially with journeys if you if you have done this and you've gotten into the process and you're kind of in it and it's been your whole life as being in this process and then you're only inches away from finishing, finishing it. it, then what? What's going to be What's going to come next? What happens mm. next? And I've, I've invested all this time and energy in this and then I get this and it's almost like you don't want to get it because you don't know what else to be or who to be or how to be because you've put so much of your time into the journey that when I get this thing... Do you see this in coaching sometimes? Well, a lot, yeah. Yeah. Often. And I think one of the things I do, it's like an ecology check, as in if you have this thing, what will happen? Because there's a whole lot of things that people don't think about. They mostly focus on wanting the thing, but that means other people around you might have to change, and are you ready to deal with that? It might mean that you don't have certain things that you did have before, and now that's going to be gone, or what does that sort of mean? Do you have a um, specific example? Um, well, like, well, let me see. A specific example as in if I get this thing, what is it yeah, going to mean? Yeah, like... Well, for instance, a very, very simple one. People want to get promoted. So I want to get this next job as a, you know, a senior manager. And they focus so much on that, but they don't realize what that's going to mean. It may mean that now you have less time at home with your family. It may mean, you know, before you used to go and hang out with the guys and, and you know, go to the pub, but now you might not be able to do that anymore so what is that going to mean you know have all the people that are in your life once you get that senior position and what that's going to mean to you to change it's also going to change a whole bunch of other things around you and have you thought about and are you ready for that change yeah Yeah. okay right huh that's so funny because that's basically what Paulo Coelho says at the end about his sword doesn't it he spent this whole time focusing on getting his sword and his guide eventually leaves him towards the end of the journey because he says, you know, I've taught you everything I can teach you. Yeah, yeah. You still don't get it. Yeah. And he's like, oh, my God, my guides abandoned me <laughs> and I still don't get it. I suck. This it, is yes. horrible. I'm never going to get it. Yeah. Um, but uh, he says that, like, so that eventually, you know, kind of in the days that follow, he suddenly has this kind of light bulb moment where he says, that it's not, you know, like, it's not where the sword is, it's not how I get it, but it's what I should do with it. That's the important thing. Yeah. And the thing that I've never asked. So in, in the book, he says, throughout my time on the strange road to Santiago, 
The only thing I had wanted to know was where my sword was hidden. I had never asked myself why I wanted to find it or what I needed it for. All my efforts had been bent on reward. I had not understood that when we want something, we have to have a clear purpose in mind for the thing that we want. So it's like, yeah, maybe that's because we don't know why we want that thing, like the promotion. We don't know why we want it. We just mm. know that's the next thing to want. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah, which sort of fits. All right. You're well, focusing on the wrong thing. Huh. Yeah. I, I really love this book. And I, I have to say that I started off and I was like, you know, The Alchemist has been such an important book yeah, to yeah. me that I was like, oh. You know, and I had that beginning. I was, I was in the car driving through, across the state actually in Florida. I was talking to my husband. I was like, you know, I feel like a lot of this is like dreams, follow your dreams. I've heard it before. Yeah. You know, I'm looking for something else. And it really, you have to keep going with this book, I think, because it's yeah. towards the end that you kind of get the whole process. It's very different than The Alchemist. Yeah. And um, this came before The Alchemist, this book. So mm. The Alchemist was a, the, well, it was a subsequent book. But yeah. 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 But I think, you know, sometimes, sometimes you find that an author, and, and this is maybe not the case for him, mm. for Paulo Coelho, but sometimes an author has kind of one thing to say and then that's kind of it and they just recycle it again yeah, and again. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, is that what's happening? It's like his best stuff is in The Alchemist and everything else is going to seem like a you know, diluted version of that. Yeah. But actually, no, I really got to the end. I was like, yeah, no, this is good. I think it's all of his stuff for me, his body of work, builds. it does build on this very, the concept it gives you different levels of this, uh, of, the, mm. of, of, the, of it. You know, you get, yeah. you get to see it from different angles, I guess. So, mm, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you look at the alchemist itself and can it, that he goes, you know, Santiago. I mean, in fact, there's um, almost a. Um, Ironically, the main character is called Santiago, isn't he? Well, yeah. And That's funny. there's that line in here wherever your treasure is, there will be your heart. That appears in the mm. pilgrimage, but that's also what. The alchemist is about you know he had the treasure was yeah, kind of yeah, yeah. you know that sort of thing so i think all this work kind of interrelates and build and expand upon themselves and in this book you get a sense that actually a lot of the things that he is writing about there's a personal aspect to it as well because this is actually a journey that he's been on and sort of walked but yeah yeah and he, and i could see where you relate to him as you would have picked up in the pilgrimage um it, I think it was in here because it was a writing because he didn't start writing till late mm, yeah. in his life in like his yeah. 40s and then this was part of you know we're going to do it even though all our friends are saying no don't do it you're crazy at this age and to yeah, go yeah, yeah, what yeah, if it yeah. doesn't succeed you know, being a writer and all of that and had he listened to those people then yeah. you know we wouldn't have had the alchemist <laughs> yeah totally um, and look where he is now yeah absolutely yeah. okay very good nice to have you back good to be back in it's Havana drinking our coffee That's right. and you with your tan with our t-shirts with our t-shirts on yeah, yeah. if you if you haven't checked out the facebook page go check it out for yes pictures absolutely and watch how, how your tan will disappear even though it's supposed to be coming summer <laughs> your tan is going to disappear over the coming oh, weeks yeah. going oh, yeah. into summer all right awesome good This episode of the Havana Cafe Sessions podcast is brought to you by people just like you, wonderful listeners. So thank you very much. If you have a spare second and you want to click over to iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a review or just some stars, that really helps us out a lot and helps other people find us who might enjoy the show. And if you would like to contribute to the show, 
then you can contribute as little as a pound an episode or less than a coffee an episode. Um, if you head over to HavanaCafeSessions.co.uk and click on the contribute button, you'll find all kinds of different ways that you can help us out. Thank you so much if you have already contributed in some way or if you're thinking about contributing and really even just telling other people who you think might enjoy the podcast or um, joining in the conversation is very, very helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Sarah Hunt, and on behalf of Clay Lowe, goodbye, and we'll see you next week.